0: Scott for Scotts here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down. Okay, let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Pell, Dino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on all your favorite podcasting apps, and of course, the Pigskin Podcast Network, sponsored by DraftKings. Thank you very much. You'll be hearing from them in the second segment. Purple Mafia, thank you again for downloading and listening to this show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today. The Minnesota Vikings went to Detroit it just didn't have the right vibe. It just didn't. And of course all the people in Vegas, like DraftKings and such, or just on the DraftKings app, things like that. <laughs> we're picking Detroit. About ninety percent of people, ninety percent of betting money was going in Detroit's area when Detroit was favored by two points. A lot of people are thinking, geez, ninety percent. I mean there must they can't all be wrong, can they? They weren't. The Minnesota Vikings end up losing to the Detroit Lions today, thirty one to twenty three. God. Uh, what? Um, come on. It was definitely a bleep show, as a lot of people might call it. Not something you want to enjoy. Uh, for some reason, I don't know what it is, Detroit fans get under my skin a little bit. Of course, I didn't interact and fight with any, but many years ago, it kind of got that way when I did a YouTube. Before Purple Mafia it was called Paladino Live, I covered a lot of Viking games on YouTube instead. They were like anywhere from five to seven to eight minutes uh, game reviews. It was fun to do, but the editing took forever, even though it's nothing even that special. There was no special beautiful sound effects or anything or or, uh, special effects, video effects, graphics, and all that. But at the same time, you know, I I was interesting. I was putting stats on the screen and all that. Uh, Detroit fans were very difficult and kind of obnoxious, and they always are when we go there, the Minnesota Vikings. So every now and then we end up losing to Detroit, and it's usually there And a game like this where a lot of things just don't go right. And we end up looking kind of silly. Uh, Detroit goes up seven nothing after the Vikings go three and out, and we fail on a fourth down right away, uh, going three and out, and then end up being like four and out basically. That was terrific. And then Detroit ends up scoring not too long after that to make it seven nothing. And then the, <laughs> for like a minute there, it looked like Delvin Cook might actually have something going. It was a nice play getting into the end zone to tie it up. But after that, it was pretty much all Detroit after that. Even though the Vikings ended up scoring 23 in the game, it felt like Detroit pretty much owned us the rest of the way. The momentum. Uh, can't get mad at the referees in this one, other than maybe Justin Jefferson didn't step out of bounds on the play late. Looked like it should have been a touchdown. Vikings would ultimately get a touchdown later on, but it was kind of sort of too little too late. Well, it was okay. It was the KJ clutch. The final uh, score the Vikings would be able to accomplish. Um, all kinds of weird stuff in this game could be multiple urban legends as to why the Ed Donna shell is just so terrible and how he refuses to make adjustments and at the end of the game apparently Kevin O'Connell even went went as far as to say that we need to put our players in better positions to succeed so that's interesting a lot of people and that was regarding the defense so it's the first time Kevin O'Connell has really kind of gone in that direction so very interesting to hear that one in the post game threads and conversations so interesting conversation there uh, after the Vikings scored their second touchdown after they'd gone down 21-7 to with some awful defense again just poor tackling it seemed like players were always open as well Jared Goff was able to find players obviously he had to hit the target so give Jared Goff credit for that but at the same time at the same time Uh, again, just that shell defense. It's like, okay, fine, we'll give you yards. Okay, fine, we'll give you yards. Okay, fine, we'll give you yards. Well, eventually, it's just going to absolutely obliterate you, and enough is enough. How about some deflected passes, some defense, like a couple weeks ago? Even just last week, there was a lot of deflected passes, and it felt good. Of course, Mike White was a lot later draft pick than Jared Goff, who was the number one overall pick years ago of the Los Angeles Rams. Right as they moved to Los Angeles, he certainly... Uh, stepping up and improving greatly in Detroit, and he's got the gold sea on his on his uh, chest, rather than the white sea with like three stars or two stars or one star. He's got the gold sea with four stars. So basically, he's the leader of the offense. Is Jared Goff? He's like a full captain, a lead captain, and that's good. Good for him. He's definitely earned it. And I don't know. He's improving. And again, there's less pressure in Detroit, obviously, versus Los Angeles. Jared Goff, obviously, huge game today. 330 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback rating of 120.7. Kirk Cousins was exquisite for the most part when he wasn't on his back. When he wasn't on his back because the offensive line protection just wasn't there once again. doesn't help having Christian Derisaw and Garrett Bradbury out. That certainly was a damning thing for the Minnesota Vikings in this game. I thought Blake Brannel was okay. Uh, even Brian O'Neill got pretty much... <laughs> Brian O'Neill pretty much got eliminated on one of them. Or humiliated is what I'd like to say on one of them, uh, became one of the defensive ends of Detroit, getting around and getting the sack later in the game, and one of those crucial drives and the Vikings thought that we still had a chance to do something, which was most of the way there. We did lose by only one score, but Detroit had the ball for such a long time late in the game because our defense wasn't stopping anybody. So, I mean, if you can't stop anybody, there's not a whole lot you can do. There's literally nothing you can do. The clock's just going to keep ticking. Um, (laughs) boy, just you watch this as well, it's kind of like Mr. Irrelevant, the Mr. Irrelevant ball, as uh, Brock Purdy looks like he's really something, he's Mr. Irrelevant 7th round pick of the San Francisco 49ers, 3rd string quarterback 2022 draft not 21, not 20 not anything like that, Brock Purdy Uh, the Vikings could only dream of taking a quarterback anywhere in the 5th round or later, and him actually being able to complete a pass longer than 20 yards historically And out here, you get Brock Purdy. (laughs) Looking Purdy, to be quite frank, for the San Francisco 49ers. We'll talk about that more in the second segment. But uh, it's definitely something to see. Uh, Tom Brady was a late sixth-round pick many years ago. It's just interesting. Could it be out with the old, in with the new? And then the team that Tom Brady grew up watching, the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana and later on Steve Young. So quite interesting to imagine that. uh, Seeing Tampa get beat... (laughs) <laughs> seeing Tampa go down 20 nothing or 14 nothing, looks like the f- touchdown was just overturned, that was to Christian McCaffrey overturned and now it's a 4th and 5, they say that McCaffrey was out of bounds, okay so well, <laughs> it was a nice looking pass interesting uh, yeah, I thought he was in I don't know, maybe it's a bad angle that probably should be a touchdown, maybe they can overturn it, San Francisco uh, moving out of the way Move the graphic out of the way. That's a touchdown. Right? I think so. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It doesn't matter really to the Vikings, and I apologize. But uh, it's fun to have a TV screen in front of me rather than to my side like it used to be with a different setup. So, definitely helpful. Now I have, you know, I have an optional setup to look outside or. <laughs> to look at the TV. So it's like it's like an option play, you know? You hand the ball off or you throw it, you know? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to talk about it too much. Justin Jefferson did set a franchise record with 213 yards in the air. Did not get a single touchdown, which is really frustrating. Just imagine if he brought that ball or if he wasn't called out of bounds. <clears throat> Him being Justin Jefferson was able to go all the way. It would have been something closer to 240 yards and a touchdown which is like off-the-charts numbers for a wide receiver. TJ Hoggison early was good. He did have a bad drop in the game, and he often has, <clears throat> which is frustrating. One other play was just out of bounds, nothing he could really do about it. Six catches in his return to Detroit, and you'll see me tweet that Detroit fans are morons. They're, they're booing TJ Like What did he do? They traded him away. He didn't demand a trade. He didn't hold out. He didn't. Uh, he didn't leave for like a, a, a like a like a contract double the size of what Detroit offered, or anything crazy like that. He didn't have anything awful to say about Detroit. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. Detroit fans are morons. That's just concluded. There's maybe a couple of good ones out there, but not a whole lot, to be quite fair. Uh, Delvin Cook again. I mean, there was a play near the end of the half. Vikings had a chance to tie the game up. Potentially, to tie the game up, it would have been great going into the half. Instead, it was like a jump. It was like a like like a jump option or jump play, basically. I don't even know how to describe it. That's what they call it, basically. And he was basically kind of, I don't know, herky jerky. Didn't really know what to do, and ended up fumbling the ball. It was the most pathetic, stupid thing I've ever seen. Why can't we just put the ball in the end zone instead of trying to get cute? Just put the ball in the end zone. I mean, the pass game was working, and on there it didn't. It kind of reminded me of the Jets game back in 97, where I said, what are you doing, you GD idiots? Right as my mom was coming in the room, and I got reprimanded pretty hard. That's an obvious touchdown, by the way. McCaffrey, yeah, thats it's not the slide. It's the first step before. So he was in the end zone. That's an obvious touchdown. Anyhow, sorry. Yeah, you'll you'll probably already. Yeah, this will be a long over by the time you're hearing about it, because I don't release the show until later in the evening after the other two segments are done. Um, But no, that made absolutely no sense. And for the most part, Delvin Cook was terrible in the game. I'd go as far as to say he is cooked, pun intended. He's not been good. Um, 15 rushes, 23 yards. Good for 1.5. Yep, and there it is. Touchdown San Francisco. And they look really good. That's the one team that could actually prevent the Vikings from having uh, the number two seed. We'd still have home field in the first round, but after that, well, no. Nope. (laughs) Not unless some underdog makes it all the way to the NFC title game, which would be kind of nice. Knocking off Philadelphia uh, on the other side. We'd have to then go to San Francisco, which probably wouldn't bowed too well because we like losing to 7th round picks and backup quarterbacks and guys named Steve Walsh and, and uh, Jim Miller and all these others that have been that have kind of come and gone over the years. We just love losing to players like that. It's absolutely uh, frustrating beyond belief. C.J. Ham also brought in one. Yay. I mean, I, that's okay. Uh, Greg Jolson made his 141 yard attempt and he made both of his extra points. Cecil teams was pretty much shut down the entire game. They couldn't really get anything going. Um, One punt return, and there were zero kickoff returns, all touchbacks, which is ridiculous. Uh, Ryan Wright was fantastic, but unfortunately one of his kicks was returned quite a long ways uh, by uh, Raymond. That was extremely frustrating. But again, time and time again throughout this game, it'd be third and long, or it'd be fourth and one, or fourth and two, fourth and whatever the heck it was. Fourth and four, and Detroit would convert either with a trick play or you know like like a, the snap to the running back or whatever the heck it was, fake punts. Uh, it's just unbelievably frustrating how this game went. The Vikings just could not make a stop. Plain and simple, the defense was non-existent. And if your defense is anything resembling what we saw today versus Detroit, I don't see this team doing anything in the playoffs. Maybe you win a first-round game. You you squeak by at home, yay! You squeak by at home. I guess a team like Washington with a backup quarterback as their starter, uh, or God knows who, (laughs) a team like Seattle with Geno Smith or whatever. We squeeze by, we beat them, and then go to, you know, we either host San Francisco or Dallas or something like that. And I don't know. I don't like our chances right now. San Francisco's got uh, Kyle Shanahan as an offensive coach. Obviously knows what he's doing. I mean, look what Brock Purdy's accomplishing. It's a very, very talented offense with McCaffrey. Ayuk, um, and, and another star player, the star running back, of course. It's you know absolutely, it's it's going to be a very very tough uh, tall task to defeat the San Francisco 49ers or the Cowboys, especially with a defense like this. The Cowboys are pretty much tearing through everybody, which I haven't seen Dallas this good since they were winning Super Bowls, honestly. So that kind of sucks. Even throughout the whole Tony Romo era, as good as they were at times, they didn't look this good. Vikings defense was so aggressive and so uh, talented and so stymieing to Jared Goff that they got zero sacks. Uh, one pass deflection by Jordan Hicks. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jordan. At least somebody sort of did something. It actually deflected a pass. That's great. No turnovers or anything cute like that. Um, there were uh, The urban legend of today's game, though, when the Vikings finally were able to score in that third quarter to cut the lead down Potentially one third of what it was basically, twenty-one to seven was still. Uh, Detroit had scored. Jared Goff to Josh Reynolds and all that again. Just a defense that uh, was basically non-existent today, non-existent. Um, Josh Jack Fox, excuse me, punted twice and they were both like fifty-plus yards. One was sixty-six yards. It's just absolutely crazy. So insanely frustrating there and a touchback in the twenty or not a touchback, but in the twenty. You do not want a touchback if you're a punter. That's a swear word uh, if you're a punter in the NFL. So, um, again, inability to get the stops on third down, fourth down, this and that, just throughout the game, again, and only getting Detroit to punt twice in the game. And as the clock kept running and the, the time of possession kept belonging to Detroit and the defense for Minnesota kept getting more and more tired. But then, again, Uh, when we were finally able to complete a really nice drive to get back in the game. Like, everything's going to be okay now. It's going to be a one-score game. Vikings, uh, you know, you just kick the extra point, and it's a seven-point game. Instead, you go for two, which, that's an urban legend to me. What is in the minds of these young coaches that do this kind of stuff? And you keep talking about, you don't want to be cute. You don't want to get cute. So you do that weird jump play that ends up being a fumble at the end of the half. It costs you a golden opportunity to tie the game up at the half. I mean, of course, tying the game up at the half, the momentum's on your side. Do, do you realize that? And then you do a, a stupid play like that that leads to a fumble. So the momentum goes completely back to Detroit. Like, ha-ha, you couldn't do anything. You completely blew it. Na nah, na nah, boo-boo, basically. And then, okay, a little tiny but momentum shift back in our direction. We go for two and don't even gain a bleeping yard on a cute little short pass. What the, what the hell were you thinking? Like, seriously, it was a nice 23-yard play to Adam Thielen to get the touchdown. That was great. Thielen made the catch and was able to turn direction and get in the end zone. But then it's like a little dunk, dink and dunk or whatever type of play that gives you nothing. It, it looked like Mike Zimmer coaching offense, If there was if there's such a possibility. Or Clint Kubiak under Mike Zimmer would make a whole lot more sense. This was probably the worst coached Minnesota Vikings game of the year, I think. In a lot of ways, I think. Um, Because this was a winnable game. Sure, Detroit's playing well. But obviously, the Minnesota Vikings offense, generally speaking, played pretty well, too. At least between Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins with 405 yards, uh, 126.5 quarterback rating, with the defensive line of Detroit flying at him the entire game. Every single time Kirk Cousins let go of the ball, you'd see him flail backwards because he got hit. (laughs) So he was getting hurried. He got hit. He was chucking and ducking and blankety-blank. Think about words that rhyme with chuck and duck, and you can imagine that, what that might be. 405 yards in the air. Again, well, he was getting, you know, manhandled by the Detroit defense as he was getting rid of the ball and took four sacks in the game. Unfortunately, only three are recorded here, so I don't understand what that means. But um, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they took one away. Who cares? Who knows? Oh, the, what the heck? It's like stuck with a minute 20 left. Come on. That's pretty dumb. Where's that fourth sack? It's still not showing it. <laughs> okay. I guess they took it out. They, they, they disallowed one of the sacks. Ooh, I bet that guy's mad right now, right? No bonus for you this week, right? Okay, sorry. Um, yep, 223 yards is official because Justin Jefferson did get one more catch. Oh boy, that's embarrassing. That's funny. So I apologize. There was one more catch, of course. Again, it was garbage time. We we're down by eleven with seventeen seconds left. I mean, yay! He made another catch. So I'm happy he was able to make another catch and make the record a little bit tougher to break. Now that he now holds 223 yards is your franchise record. The the stat that drives you crazy those zero touchdowns drives you crazy. Again, one of them, he probably should have had the. He probably should have been in bounds. I mean, I don't think that was the right call there, but generally speaking, I'm not mad at the refs for this game, a lot of calls went against Detroit, so again, I can't blame the pinstripes too much, maybe just on that one single play, um, again, going going for two though, when you have a chance to be within seven or whatever, doesn't make sense, I, I don't get it, it's kind of cute and everything, it's a, it's a cute idea, yay, we can maybe have a six-point deficit now, <laughs> or something, or like if you're the the team that just scored, you're the team that's ahead. You can have an eight point lead. Oh, now it'll make it harder on the other team. But what if you blow it though? What if you blow it? Now it's worse. So I I just think that's stupid. And then you wind up in a position where it's an 11 point deficit instead of a 10 point deficit with like, like a minute left. You're not going to win that game. You're just not, unless you have the biggest luck ever, which is happens like every decade or so. It's just like a couple of cute bounces of the ball. Maybe you might have a chance, but, um, Playing like that is just not going to get the job done. Making decisions like that. I don't know. I, I'm kind of done with a lot of that. Let's uh, let's come back to Earth. Let's try to make a little more sense, if we can, if humanly possible. When it comes to that, just, just kick the extra point. Even though Mr. What's-His-Name has been insanely frustrating. It's higher percentage than going for two, especially with the way the game was going. I don't know. Just keep getting your yards, score, and maybe get a damn stop once in a while. Just make a damn stop. Maybe you might have a chance to win the game. Especially with the wide receiver that's catching everything coming his way. A quarterback that's making insanely accurate passes. 425 total yards. Yep. Because of that one extra completion. That's what I heard. 425. So I was kind of looking at it and something was in my head saying, that's not the same number I remember. I remember seeing and hearing. So, yeah, 425. Kirk Cousins had the same passing uh, yards in the tie game versus Green Bay years ago. His actual second game as a Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback uh, back in 2018. Him being Kirk Cousins of course. And of course Mike Hughes also again another former player having a good game against the Vikings. Now to make seven tackles you have to be, have given up a play, which he did quite a bit for the Minnesota Vikings when he was here. But he had a very nice game. Of course, a lot of those tackles were on short plays. So Mike Hughes gave him credit there for making the tackle rather than Minnesota Vikings side, not only giving up plays, but missing tackles time and time and time and time again. You're not hearing from Zadarius Smith at all anymore. Daniel Hunter, it's like he doesn't exist, basically. Daniel Hunter had zero in the game. Zero tackles, zero assists, nothing. Zilch, nada. Um, basically, uh, Zadarius Smith had one assist tackle. That's it. One assisted tackle, not even a solo. No stacks, no pass deflections, no turnovers, nothing. That's not going to get it done either. Yes, his knee is hurt and all that a bit, bitten, bitten, and all that. But if he's healthy enough to play, you're hoping he could do something. And absolutely nothing happened. And again, you combine Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, two guys that were a wrecking crew against teams earlier in the season to have a total combined of a assist of one assisted sack or tackle not sack in the entire game that is some blankety blank that's some gobbledygook to prevent myself from going off and cursing my head off in this game the christ uh, excuse me the fran tarkington award winner for this episode dustin zimmerson has to get it with a 223 but the fact that he didn't score a touchdown I have to have him share it with Kirk Cousins. I'm going to do it because I think Kirk Cousins played a beautiful game. The Vikings win this game. Kirk Cousins has a huge reason why they would win the game. They both, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, were uh, on the same page in this game. It was a beautiful day and <laughs> they, did a, they did a great job out there. It's just a damn shame. The defense didn't get the job done and there was literally no running game whatsoever. Dalvin Cook will bring in the Christian Potter, uh, Memorial he was absolutely worthless. I'm, I'm just going to say it. He was worthless. And people talking about trading him in the off-season. Obviously, a very notable person. You'll hear him, <laughs> Mad Martin, out of Northern Scotland. Yes, trading him in the off-season if you can do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely lean in that direction. Surely, there's a. Uh, <laughs> surely, there's a running back in the draft you can take. There is. There's running backs everywhere. Obviously you know, there's skill level, there's a skill level with this guy compared to that guy, but Delvin Cook isn't special anymore. He's not. The shine is gone. The shine has worn off on Delvin Cook. I'm sorry, and that's NFL. That's not for long. Wide receivers tend to last a little longer. Quarterbacks, in some cases, last a whole whole heck of a lot longer. Uh, Defensive linemen do too. Unfortunately, for, for running backs, including Chuck Poorman, way back in the day, they just don't last long. And it's a doggone shame. Dalvin Cook, with a lot of serious injuries throughout his career that have taken their toll, and he's not that good anymore. He's just not. He'll have a couple of good moments. Like, oh my God, oh, who was doubting him? Wow, he got 100 yards, and he had that big burst in the end zone, that 70 yard burst. But what did he do the rest of the game? You know, two yards in a cloud of dust? Okay, that's great. That's all today was. Two yards in a cloud of dust. Oh, sorry, not even that. He had a long of five. A long of five. He did get in the end zone. Great play, right? Great, great play. But it was one play. I do appreciate that he got in the end zone. Because, well, it's a lot better than (laughs) the stupid two-point conversion nonsense that we screwed up. But um, at the same time, I thought he was terrible, along again with the fumble. But just to be nice to Delvin Cook, Daniil Hunter, and Z'Darrius Smith, you get to share it. It's going to be a trifecta today. So there's your, there's your big bet there on DraftKings. Joey's going to pick three players, not not one, but three players to bring in the Christian Potter Memorial. There's your big home run bet right there. Instead of $100, you win $300 right there with that trifecta. Congratulations. Do enjoy. <laughs> Do enjoy, right? I'm just messing around, but um, that, is, that is your Christian Potter Memorial. It's going to be three players, two on defense, one on offense at the end of the day. So with that, we'll take a quick break, and we get to Look at the rest of the National Football League. The 49ers are surging. Watch out. The 49ers are surging. The Jacksonville Jaguars are surging. The Jaguars are surging. 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 (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yep, and we'll look at all the other teams. New York Giants, yeah, they got obliterated by Philadelphia. We'll play them next week. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, that's a very serious injury being carted off here with San Francisco. God, another injury for an important 49er player. Uh, that sucks. Yep, being carted away. That it totally sucks. So, with that, uh, we will take a quick break. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's Asante Samuel. So, that sucks. Uh, Debu, Debu Samuel. What am I talking about? Not Asante. Debu Samuel. Oh, great. Well, I guess don't watch out for the 49ers, even though they're killing the Bucks. Yeah, if Debu Samuel's being uh, driven away, that uh, is good maybe maybe he's okay but i doubt it yeah oh that sucks now he's hoping and praying for the best but mm, took a long time to get him off the field that's not a good sign so we'll see get better uh debu that sucks with that (laughs) sorry for ending the uh segment that way but we'll talk about the giants and the rest of the nfl right after this DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this Christmas season. Um, Same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options. I mean, just go for it. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost. The bigger your shot to win big. So, obviously, very worth it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. That's right, TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code T-P-P-N. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to look around the NFL. Of course, next week's opponent is the New York Football Giants, or the New York Football Not-So-Giant Anymore. There were giants in the land. Yep, the, the Nephium, the New York Nephium. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Nephilim, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah, because giants were very very evil in the Bible. Uh, Nephilim. So I'll just leave that alone for a different podcast called Freedom of Thought. Maybe we'll get into that sometime. But yeah, we'll play the New York football giants. Got to look around the league, division and all that. Of course, they played a divisional team today, so that's always a nice thing. Uh, of course, uh, right now, Starting, I'm starting segment number two a little later than normal just because it's a busy day. Uh, the San Diego-Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim are playing against the <laughs> Miami Dolphins who have not scored a single point yet in the game. Very strange, even though it's the second quarter already. Let's get to the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Los Angeles Rams. Just absolute exquisite. Dear Thursday night... Well, see, Thursday night, I bet you there was a time you would have expected this to have been an, actually a, a decent matchup, Right. The Las Vegas Raiders were kind of improving last year. You, just, you know, and they, well, they, they were improving. They had that nice special teams coach who took over, did a good job, and then they didn't give him the job. Great, because Josh McDaniels was available. Wow, Josh McDaniels, boy, well, all that success he had in Denver, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah, anyhow, but but enough about the Denver Broncos having success with, with uh, highfalutin dec- uh, uh, offensive coordinators and stuff. Los Angeles Rams win their fourth game of their year. They're whopping fourth game of the year over the, the Las Vegas Raiders, who might as well be L-O-S-S Vegas Raiders because they stink this year, except for a couple of weeks in a row of meaningless wins. Kind of like basketball teams winning in April and then thinking their hot stuff after they've missed the playoffs. Yeah. Well, now that I've babbled way too much about that already, let's get the heck moving here. Things were going well for the Raiders and then went literally kablooey. Uh, not long after that, just an epic comeback Ray, baby, right, for the Los Angeles Rams, scoring scoring 14 points, a couple of touchdowns in the final 3 minutes and 25 seconds, basically, after Danny Daniel Carlson made it 16-3. to three. Epic score, right? Uh, beautiful. Um, Daniel Carlson with a 36-yard kick, a 31-yard kick, a 52-yard kick, and then Matt Gay had a 55-yard kick also in the game, so the kickers were kicking the ball all over the place. Josh Jacobs, Mr. Tecmo Football. Mixed for Tecmo Bowl or yeah, Tecmo football. Uh, with twenty seven rushes, but only about four yards a carry. Not even quite that. Still better than Dalvin Cook this past week. Derek Carr, a couple of INTs, a quarterback rating in the thirties. That sucks. Baker Mayfield, epic performance. He didn't turn the ball over. Baker Mayfield didn't turn the ball over and he beat the Las Vegas Raiders with a single touchdown with 230 yards. Good for him. Threw it to Cam Akers, who, uh, no, he didn't throw it to Cam Akers. He handed it off to him. Van Jefferson is who he threw the ball to. So I'm just being goofy here already. But, uh, well, we'll see. Maybe Baker Mayfield, another number one overall pick, who was not all that great, winding up with the L.A. Rams. Jared Goff was a decent player for them, and he might end up having a better career in Detroit. We'll see. He was, a te- he was on a team that got to the Super Bowl and everything was Jared Goff, but I think that defense was a big part of why they got there, which is ironic and funny considering how the Rams are absolutely known for offense, 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 offense. But that year, that defensive line was phenomenal, and it helped get the Rams to the Super Bowl. But uh, And, you know, they kind of kept the Patriots in check, but the Patriots' defense is even better. Blah, 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 blah. Let's keep going. The game is over. Uh, <laughs> New York Jets lost another one, unfortunately. So, uh, Robert Sala getting another loss. 7-6 uh, and six record now. Third place in the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills are just like the Vikings. 10-3. So, one thing that will make you feel better, at least for a minute here, is considering the Buffalo Bills are 10-3. First place in the AFC East, and the top seed in the AFC would ha- would lose the tiebreaker for the, to the Minnesota Vikings should the uh, playoffs all being together today. So imagine we were all in the same bracket and everything that the uh, the Minnesota Vikings would actually have the number one seed in the AFC. So interesting thing to think about because of that. Um, at least I think we would. Yep, because we beat Buffalo. So we'd at least be ahead of them. And that's kind of impressive, actually. Cincinnati Bengals. Well, actually, we'll look at the Jets game for a second here. The Buffalo Bills game is more like it, considering who won the game. Neither quarterback stood out a whole lot. Mike White, I think, is what he is. And then Joe Flacco just kind of, well, he attempted three passes and not a whole lot to brag about there. Mike White attempted 44 passes. Not sure what's going on with all that, other than they were playing from behind most of the way. So, in fact, they pretty much were, except for like, mm, mm, yeah, they pretty much were most of the game. Buffalo's defense kind of stymied those Jets until early in the third quarter. So kind of funny how that all turned out. The game kind of started waking up again in the second half. And the Bills win 20-12. to 12. Woohoo! Again, nobody really stood out all that much. Naheem Hines, a couple of nice kick returns of about 20 yards each. Good for him. Seven Diggs, only 37 yards on three catches. Not that exciting of a football game. Cincinnati hosted the Cleveland Browns <clears throat> and are now 9-4. Second place in the AFC North. Cincinnati Bengals, the future AFC champions, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Joe Burrow, who I put in for the MVP vote because I'm not a fan of the other guys. Sorry, it's nothing personal to business. I'm just not a fan. And, you know, I like Joe Burrow. The other Joe Mixon had 96 yards on the ground at 7 yards a carry. Very impressive. And J.M.R. Chase, who's about as good a receiver as there is. He's, he's the other uh, Justin Jefferson, basically, playing for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. He is the other Justin Jefferson from the same school, which is the craziest thing ever. Um, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Just put that together and wrap your head around the thought of that. And it's like, holy cow, that's impressive. Deshaun Watson, Mr. Impressive himself, attempted 42 yards. I know, I'm just screwing around. Attempted 42 passes anyway. Threw for 276 yards, had an INT and a touchdown, and we're happy for him. Donovan, peoples, donovan Peoples-Jones donovan peoples with 114 yards on eight catches from Watson. But, oh well, Cincinnati got the job done, which matters most. Sam Hubbard with a sack. And on the uh, Cleveland Browns side, Miles Garrett, the stud, Miles Garrett, with a couple of sacks on Joe Burrow. So they actually protected Burrow reasonably well, except for those two sacks from Garrett. The Texas Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Houston Texans. The Cowboys were scoring, what, 40 points against the Vikings and smoking the Colts on, was it Sunday Night Football last week? Just absolutely obliterated them. It was disgusting. The Colts looked like they didn't belong in the same field, in the same planet. And Houston Texans are the worst team in the league. I mean, it's safe to say. 1-11-1. They are the worst team in football. Kept the Cowboys to 27. And they actually almost won the game, actually. Until the fourth quarter when the Cowboys said, yeah, we better wake up and play here. This is kind of stupid. They were trailing 23-17. to The Cowboys wind up uh, getting the job done and winning the game. So that's kind of how it is. The Cowboys got their touchdown and their field goal. Woohoo! Started with Brett Maher with its 53-yarder and then Zeke Elliott was able to have a goal line smash basically into the end zone from two yards out anyway and uh, put the Cowboys up with 46 seconds left. Way to go, uh, Houston blowing that, but again, way to go to uh, Dallas by screwing around the whole game. So that's nothing to brag about either. Prescott with a couple of INTs. Davis Mills wasn't all that great, and Jeff Driscoll actually was pretty good And only six attempts, but was very efficient, including a touchdown pass. So good for Jeff Driscoll. Jeffy Jeff, e. Jeff. The Cowboys win the football game and are ten and three, which thankfully, when you win a division title and Dallas is not in first place in their division, the tiebreaker doesn't hurt us. So, na 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 boo boo Dallas, Minnesota. You gotta just keep winning and at least stay, you know, stay, stay where you're at and win that division and hope that Philadelphia loses once in a while, or that they just flat out choke in their conference uh, or their second round game. there if they're after the first round bye. Jacksonville Jaguars continue to win games. They're 5-8. Yay. 36-22, beating a Tennessee team that just fired the general manager. Wow. I thought they did pretty good, but things were kind of falling apart there. They're still in first place in the AFC South, but I guess that's not saying a whole lot when you consider the Texans are in that division. Garbage. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had an absolutely spectacular game, attempting 42 passes but completing 30 of them, three touchdowns, and no turnovers. What do you think of that? Tannehill, mediocre at best. Again, was very efficient the last couple of years. This year has just not been a good year. And everything's just kind of falling apart in Tennessee. But uh, I would keep Vrabel around. I think he's a damn good coach. So, I just maybe need to get some better personnel. And hopefully Vrabel uh, can, uh, you know, lead the way to a, to a some more success. It's just not been a, a good year after a pretty solid start. Evan Ingram receiving 11 catches for 162 yards, 62 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence Definitely stepping up a bit. Again, he was a phenom in the uh, draft a couple years back and it's starting to show signs of it. Neither quarterback was sacked in the entire game. Interesting. Interesting. So we'll continue to move here for the sake of time. Next week's opponent, New York and Philly, we'll come back to that later. And it was not a good day for the Giants. The old uh, Pittsburgh Black and Blue Bowl, you could say Baltimore and Pittsburgh, this was a pretty epic rivalry for quite a while in the late 2000s. And into the early teens, we'll say, of the 2000s, the 20-teens. Baltimore and Pittsburgh, awesome rivalry in the AFC North. Um, always battling for first place. The other team would be the Wild Guard. Whenever Baltimore was good, though, it was really cool to watch. i often cheer for Baltimore over Pittsburgh. But, you know, now it uh, kind of sort of doesn't matter because Pittsburgh is not even close to what they used to be. Mitch, your, Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback. Need I say more? Three INTs in the game. And, of course, Lamar Jackson's out for like a month, I think. So, it is what it is there. Tyler Huntley throws for 88 yards. I'll say that again. I'll say that again. Like Bob Beerman of Truth to Ponder would say, let me say that again. He threw for 88 yards. (laughs) And then 16 yards from Anthony Brown. All right, then. Well, J.K., he was just kidding, Dobbins, had 120 yards on the ground, averaged 8 yards. A carry. Gus Edwards with 66 yards on the ground and Tyler Hundley also scampered for 31 throughout the game. Uh, overall, very impressive a game on the ground for the um, <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, so good for them. They end up winning the game. Kind of an ugly black and blue 16-14 to 14 type of day. They get the job done. Congratulations, Baltimore, as they move on. Heading in the right direction. And then TJ Watt, the younger brother of J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of people thought that they would wind up together, but it never happened. And I think I bring that up way too often. I apologize if that's the case. And there's somebody named Marcus Allen on the Pittsburgh defense as well. Interesting. But he doesn't play running back just like somebody else long ago. Kansas City, Kansas City chefs versus the Denver, like, dead dogs. The Denver, Denver dead donkeys. That basically is what they are right now. Oh, I'm not going to bring it up again. But uh, their quarterback's too expensive and they stink. Yep, and their coach sucks too. So they're 3-10 and and the Chiefs are 10-3. and I'm not a Chiefs fan at all. I think I've mentioned that way too much. But um, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes did throw for three INTs to go with the three touchdowns. And honest to God, Russell Wilson had one of his best games of the year with his three TDs. But he had an interception in the game. And Brett Ripien, son of old... Mark Rippian of the world champion Washington Redskins, the team that played in the Metrodome in Bowl 26 long, long, long ago <clears throat> after the 91 season because Doug Williams wasn't available to be quarterback. Mark Rippian led that team to a championship over Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills for their second straight loss in the Super Bowl, unfortunately. Yeah. Isaiah who celebrates more than he runs the ball with 13 rushes for 70 yards. Jarek McKinnon had 112 yards receiving. Some of those catches and scampers. Very impressive. One went for 56 and two touchdowns in the game for former Minnesota Vikings, Jarek McKinnon. I, You know, it's like, would you rather have him or Delvin Cook? I don't know. Okay. It doesn't matter. Jarek McKinnon's actually older, isn't he? So it's kind of funny to think about her. They're about the same. Jarek's actually slightly older but he's missed so much freaking time, so I don't know, he's, he's hung on nicely and he's got that little speed, Kansas City with an incredible pass rush on Russell Wilson throughout the day, had gosh, looks like six total sacks in the game very impressive, and uh, Justin Jewel of the uh, Denver Broncos had two interceptions impressive performance from him as well, frustrating uh, Patrick Mahomes, but it still wasn't enough Chiefs win, Chiefs win 34-28 to 28. you can hear the excitement in my voice well, I'll get more excited about this one. San Francisco is now 9-4. and four, Their first place in the NFC West. Watch out, Minnesota. That's all i got to say. We we need to watch out. We are going up against, well, potentially going up against in a playoff game or a, a pennant race or whatever you want to call it. I'm just calling it that for fun. We're going up against a guy who was taken at the end of the NFL draft in 2022. And he he's easily, got to easily be, at least from what he's done so far, the best uh, bargain in the NFL right now, the best bargain there is on the planet, considering he was taken at the end of the seventh round of the draft, and he's a—I think he's a real quarterback. Shame on Minnesota. Shame on Detroit. Shame on Chicago. Shame on Miami. Shame on every team in the league except for Kansas City, I guess. And I don't know. I guess the Chargers. I don't know. Is Justin Herbert that good? I, I guess he is. Two was fine obviously, but he's not doing good right now. Well, well, I guess they did score a touchdown. Okay, whatever. Shame on Tampa for not taking Brock Purdy. This might be just a quick little sugar high, quick little beginner's luck type of thing. But his release on the ball is legitimate. There's something there. And he set all kinds of records for the Iowa State Cyclones. Yes, there is a football team called the Iowa State Cyclones. It's a pretty pretty solid basketball uh, program in the NCAA. Brock Purdy, yeah. He looks a lot like a couple people that I used to know. A guy named Jason Violet, way back in the day, who was from San Francisco, who used to work at Hopkins High School. He's, you know, a few years older than me. Looks a lot like him. I think he really looks like him. And looks a little bit like a technician at my job named Mike Hoffman. He looks kind of like that guy, too. (laughs) A very intelligent guy. who like, moved up very quickly to, like, Tech 4. So, he looks kind of like that. So, maybe this Brock Purdy is a very intelligent guy who's going to climb the ladder very quickly. Just think about it: the 41st pick in the seventh round of the 2022 NFL Draft. You know, so it's like literally, just months ago—well, several months now, but less than a year ago—he was drafted at the end of the draft. He is now quarterbacking a nine-and-four San Francisco 49ers team with all kinds of weapons, and he's hitting his targets. Let's just tell it like it is: he's hitting targets. Yeah, he threw two interceptions, you know, during the course of the season. His numbers aren't all that sexy and all that. But he didn't throw, you know, he he was good today. Two touchdowns, and the 49ers blow the crap out of Tom Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, they did. They blew out the Tom Brady-led Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady attempted 55 passes in the game. Uh, there was some calls that went against Tampa that had Tom Brady flipping out, and I don't blame him. Uh, was it Evans? I think it was the other guy. Yeah, I think it was was it Evans or Evans or Goodwin. I, I think it was Goodwin. It looked like he was, you know, like yeah, you're jamming the route as they're trying to throw a touchdown on fourth down there. A goal, you know, going at, going for it on fourth and goal basis, what Tampa's doing. Um the route was jammed, but it looked like more of like a it should have probably been a personal, you know, pass interference, whatever, personal foul pass interference, defensive pass interference, now that I've said that fifty times and it never came. Tom Brady was irate, and it ended up costing him. So, it was actually on third down, and then they went for it, and then, of course, you know, the ball was dropped by uh, the other guy, Evans. So, that was kind of all she wrote there. It's been a, been a huge disappointment. Very big disappointment in Tampa. It's too bad. Uh, it kind of is what it is. Brady with a couple of INTs, again, they were kind of desperate to get back in the game. Brady never sat out, even in a blowout game like this. It's just I don't know, maybe he's got a little bit of that, too much of that Cal Ripken uh, virus in him, where it's just, dude, dude, it's a blowout. Let someone else have like a cup of coffee in the NFL, will you? You know, you're like 90 years old. Just sit out. Just sit out. And I never criticize Tom Brady. He's like my all-time favorite football player, basically. Him and Joe Montana, guys like that, all time. But, dude, that's a little bit too much for me. Like, why are you still playing in a game like that? even if it is in your hometown and all that, your home area, basically. Sit down. Sit down. You're getting blown to bits. <laughs> it's not worth it. Let someone else have a cup of coffee, unless that person didn't want to play, which, why would that be? If I was a backup quarterback of the Buccaneers, I'd want to play. You know, give me a chance. Maybe that could be your starter in a year or two. But nope, can't do that. Oh no, it's against the rules. Seattle hosting the Carolina Panthers, and the Panthers win again. What is going on? Carolina was pretty much competing with the Houston Texans once upon a time for the number one overall pick in the draft. And now they're screwing that up. They're not going to get it. They're not going <laughs> to. What's the point? Like, you've you've already got eight losses. Like, who cares? I guess it feels good to win a couple games and be closer to 500 instead of being like 2-15 and four, uh, two and two or something. I get that because that's about what Houston's going to be. They're probably going to be 1-15-1. I don't think Houston wins another game this year. Uh, and they'll be lucky if they do. Sam Darnold, just, you know, a failed first-round pick who's, like, adequate at times. I guess he's slightly better than what uh, the other guy was. The Bakerfield, yeah, Bakerfield, uh, who cares about him? Um, Darnold, at least he didn't throw an interception. But Carolina wins the game because, you know, Smith threw a couple of interceptions. He's definitely been dropping off a a bit. And technically, right now, Seattle is on the outside looking in when it comes to the uh, wild card with their sixth loss of the season. Seattle would miss the playoffs if the season ended today. New York and Washington, with their stupid tie, uh, are both seven wins and five losses, so they're technically ahead of the Seattle Seahawks because of that, percentage-wise. The Minnesota Vikings and uh, currently would play the New York Giants in the first round. Vikings win that game, uh, and we will be playing them next week also, and I think we we'll probably win that too, but um, I would hope so anyway. But Put it this way: If the Viking season ends losing to the New York Giants as a in, in a wild card game, huge disappointment. And of course, you got to let go of Donatel, probably Black Monday as they call it, after the game. Like Donatel, sorry buddy, it's been good. With all due respect, we got to go in another direction. Uh, this conversation about Fangio, of course, and the uh, current coach of the uh, San Diego chargers Los Angeles Chargers. Pardon me, uh, he's part of the Fangio Donatel tree, but the better part of it. Let's just say. Because the donatello part of the tree is kind of like, you got to put the red line on the trunk and uh, move on from that one. you got to cut that tree down. It's finished. It's done. So, that might sound harsh, but it's true. Sorry. <laughs> I think most of you would agree with that. Again, Miami and the Los Angeles Chargers on the screen right now. 10-7 to seven Miami Dolphins. I'm going to fess up. For some reason, I thought the Vikings were playing the New York Giants, but I actually, I don't know why. So I remembered it was supposed to be the Colts, and the Giants was actually Christmas Eve. So I'm going to preview the Indianapolis Colts right away right now and talk about the history of the two teams. Indianapolis Colts are 24th in passing yards, 27th in rushing yards, 24th in yards per game. The last game they played was against the Dallas Cowboys, that big, fat blowout loss. So, I mean, how much can you go off of that? I'm not so sure, but it is a team that's pretty much, like, going nowhere right now, 4-8-1. They looked like crap most of the season anyway, so, I mean, what more is there to really say about what the Colts are done? I mean, they're what they've done, their 30th in points scored on the season, 24th in total yards per game, passing yards are 14th, because Matt Ryan still has a little bit of something, but 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, see, the one good thing about playing a team coming off a bye is at least all the numbers are accurate coming in. It's not like, well, they played today, and it's not edited yet. So, Matt Ryan will probably be the quarterback. I uh, Beat the Vikings a few times as a Falcons quarterback in the past. Um, they're decent against uh, they're decent against passing, though, which is interesting. Fourth in the league there. Uh, ninth in total yards against. Their points against per game is 19, so they give up points, interestingly. And there's 21st in rushing yards, so Delvin Cook does have an opportunity to do a little bit of something. Twelfth um, in sacks with 32, and they only have five interceptions in the season, so that's one of the lowest overall Jonathan Taylor with 861 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. He's fumbled three times as well. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. leads the team in receiving with 755 yards. So let's look at the history a bit here. Not too much, and I don't want to babble too much about it. The Indianapolis Colts have dominated the Vikings historically, going back to the Baltimore Colts days, of course. I called them Indianapolis last week when the Jets beat them in the Super Bowl. They were a Baltimore still, of course. Johnny United is a quarterback. Eighteen seven and one We've actually tied this club. Uh, the Colts are... The Colts have won six in a row versus the Vikings. I don't think that's going to continue, but it's been pretty ugly. Um, again, the Baltimore Colts crushed the... Well, they beat the Vikings barely way back in 61. And believe it or not, the uh, beer called Colt 45 originated from a Baltimore Colts running back that wore number 45. So Colt 45 going way back in the day. Baltimore Colts. Colt 45. Interesting, huh? Well the Colts score 45 points once in a while but uh, not too often. It felt like they scored 45 million points against the Vikings. The Vikings didn't win their third game against the Colts until 1969. It looked like these teams played every year and in some clas- cases more than once a season. We must have been in the same division or something. It sure looks like it. I think so because yeah, look at that 61, 62, 63, 64, 6. Geez, there's like every year we played the Baltimore Colts. So I don't know. It couldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be because Baltimore played New York in the Super Bowl. And then eventually they went to the AFC, I guess, at some point. So Baltimore must have been in the NFL before it was the NFC. You know, you it was the National League, like baseball. But the Colts, again, my God. I mean, we're talking 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The Colts, we were 2-12 and 12 versus the Colts until the Vikings won 52 to 14 over a decent Baltimore team in 69 to crush. They were the defending, you know, NFC or NFL champions at the time, the Colts, uh, interestingly, um, because they lost to the Giants, of course, or the Jets, pardon me. I don't want to talk about the Giants right now. I really don't. That'll be next week. (laughs) Baltimore Colts, though, uh, 24-14 over the Vikings in 68 in a playoff game. That was in the Western Conference Championship. So the Vikings actually could have went to the Super Bowl that year, interestingly enough. Interesting. And then the Vikings finally beat them the next year, but ultimately went to the Super Bowl much later. So that season, Vikings didn't win five in a row. Colts then, since then, wow, that's incredible. So it's crazy to think. We played the Colts, like, how many times? Like 14, 15 times in like 10 years, right? And then 69 to 71, so it was kind of like, uh, then it became like every other year. You know, it was like 69 and then 71. And then all of a sudden, 1982, 11 years later, six years later in 88. So the Vikings won oh, five in a row from 71 all the way up to 97. And that was only five games from 71 to 97. Wrap your head around that thought. Uh, that 97 Vikings team beat a terrible, pathetic Colts team that uh, wound up taking uh, Peyton Manning in the draft. We finally won a game at the end of 97 to clinch a playoff berth after we had such a good team that fell off the face of the earth. And then ultimately the Colts, uh, yeah, we beat the Colts. Chris Carter did a Metrodome leap, which didn't happen back in those days. It was like a Lambeau leap and all that. But then the Colts ever since then have been undefeated, 6-0, 2000, with Peyton Manning kicked our butts. Peyton Manning was undefeated against the Vikings, by the way, including with Denver, which, who knows, might have happened in the Super Bowl if we somehow played them in 2009. We will never know. But 31-10, to yeah, Peyton Manning kicked our butts. But uh, that was on Christmas Eve, and what's-his-name was injured anyway. Uh, Culpepper had a bad, uh, had a high ankle sprain. I keep talking about that when the Vikings lost their last four games of the season. Peyton Manning just ran all over us in that game. And then there was a real close one in 94 where Manning ran it in for a touchdown to take the lead. And the Colts ended up winning the game 31-28. to Uh, Colts went 18-15 to 15 in 2008. Mediocre, frustrating game there. 2012 with uh, Andrew Luck. They beat us in an you know, early game there. Andrew Luck was the quarterback by then, if I remember correctly. Pretty sure he was. 16, yeah, Luck came in, and I thought Zimmer could have been fired after that game. 34-6. to 6. Vikings were still in the playoff hunt at that time, and Luck and Soko came in and torched the crap out of the Vikings. 34-6. And then, most recently, the Colts, of course, moving to Indianapolis many years ago, won uh, 28-11, most recently in 2020, a terrible Vikings team in Zimmer's second last season in Minnesota. So, I think the Vikings should be able to beat this mediocre, yucky Colts team. There's a pretty good chance the Vikings win their last four games of the regular season. Uh, Maybe we'd squeak out one loss, but I don't think it's this one. It's probably going to be Green Bay or Chicago that'll beat us. Um, Probably going to be one of the division games. I don't think the, the Colts or the Giants beat the Vikings. So you can kind of jump ahead and think that way at the end of the day, but we'll see, we'll see. Maybe the Giants will beat us, or maybe they'll all have a different vibe of them going into next week. Right now, I think the Vikings win comfortably over the Indianapolis Colts, something along the likes of, uh, uh, it's not going to be too high scoring. Let's say 20, well, medium, 28 to 20. Vikings win by, like 28, to, 28 to 17. Vikings win comfortably by 11 over the Colts and end that long losing streak dating back to 1997. We haven't beat the Colts since 97. Isn't that weird? So, I don't know. It's strange, but this Colts team doesn't scare me at all. Uh, they had Peyton Manning forever, then they had Andrew Luck. So, those days are over, of course. 2020, like, I'm trying to think of that. Was Luck still playing? I don't think he was. I have to look at that super quick. Philip Rivers, that's right. Phil That's weird. That's really weird, but yeah, yeah, Philip Rivers, I remember now, he had a great game against us, or he wasn't great, he was just good, and the Vikings just were crappy that year, so whatever, we'll move on from that, uh, again, sorry if I'm stumbling and bumbling around thinking the Vikings are playing the Giants, it was actually the Colts, so with that, let's take a quick break and return for Fan Interaction. We are back here on Purple Mafia, third segment, final segment of the show. Fan interaction or at least I would hope that's what it is. <laughs> Hoping to get caught up in where I was. Well, I had it there, but of course I like to mess around. At Purple Mafia show at Purple Mafia show. I want to thank the Pig Pigskin Podcast Network for retweeting the most recent episode, Malcolm McSween out of California. I believe there's another group of people that retweeted it, but maybe not. Maybe it was just two guys, and if it is, that's okay. Really appreciate those of you that have done that, and those of you that did it in the past that normally do it, maybe you didn't this time, and maybe you did do it, and you just, uh, maybe you did do it, and it's not showing it, so apologize for that. Just in case, what was I talking about? So Blind Squirrel, yep, I was saying Hughes didn't do anything for us, now he's magically a decent cornerback. That figures. Blind Squirrel responds with healthy. Well, yeah. Because even a blind squirrel is right once in a while, right? Okay, or a blind squirrel finds an acorn, right? Okay, sorry. Um. I was saying how oh, that was pathetic or whatever. Mad Martin says, yeah, Northern Scotland. What I've seen so far is rubbish. Perhaps I should have not rushed back to watch. Yeah, because he was saying... Something about, like, yep. how was the first half? And I said it was just awful, basically. I forget what happened there. Yeah, how was the, just in, how was the first half? I said pretty awful, honestly, especially in the last few plays. Yeah, yeah, like the fumble by uh, Cook and all that. That was disgusting. Yep, Matt Martin says, our run game is trash. Trade Cook in the offseason? And I was saying, I would. I'm about to, I'm about ready to stick a fork in the guy. And Matt Martin says, absolutely, need the cap space. That was a brave move on fourth and four, but hell, they needed the points. Yep, that was to uh, Adam Thielen. He up catching the ball for the first down, but then also had enough uh, space in front of him to get all the way into the end zone. That was pretty cool. Ned Martin says Adam Thielen has 43 receiving touchdowns since 2018, the same amount as Stephon Diggs. That's impressive, yep. Very impressive. That's actually really cool. So, Interesting. Mad Martin says, "Yep, keep it a one-score game," and unfortunately, we didn't. Mad Martin again says, "This is painful to watch." I said, "This defense sucks." I said it. I'm not sure I'm the first. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first, and I won't be the last. Yeah, Sebastian and MVF like that one. Mad Martin says, "Cook 15 rush attempts and only 24 yards. That's yeah, pathetic, pathetic." I was saying, for lack of the, he is for lack of a better word, cooked cooked, which also, which almost could have been the uh, title of this episode. We'll figure out something along the way. I had something earlier in my mind's blanking. Of course it is. man Martin says, well, a right tackle <laughs> with a first down reception sums up the game perfectly. Yeah, that was really frustrating. Yeah, that made me beyond angry. It Was it Sewell, right? Oh my God, that was really embarrassing. And I remember him in the draft years ago, but yeah, he was on the outside, like like looking to be a receiver. He was an eligible receiver. Nobody was on him. And he made the catch for a first down. It was like a third and something, basically. Third and four or something like that. And there it was. It's just like, seriously, it's a stupid... I think it was like longer than that, like third and seven. So dumb. MVF, that'd be victorious. says Ed Swiss Cheese Donatel. Yep, says defensive coordinator Ed Donatel. Yep, Ed the Swiss Cheese. He looks like a football-y football guy, doesn't he? But unfortunately, yeah, and I was telling him he nailed it, but the Ed Swiss cheese hill. Mad Martin says, what is gross this is our run game? That's a massive concern for the rest of the season, and yeah, it's pretty bad. And the run blocking wasn't good either. Of course, again, no uh, uh, Bradbury. Believe it or not, a lot of people in the past talked about Bradbury. Who cares? Like last year when he was missing some games with injury, uh the former Arizona Cardinal we had replacing him, ended up doing a pretty good job to a point we wanted him in there the rest of the season. And then he wound up signing with Pittsburgh, which, well, whatever. I mean, good for him. He got a nice raise and all that, but it is what it is, right? Bradbury was like, well, I guess it's your job for now, but we're not going to give you the fifth year option. So Bradbury's a free agent in the off season. Hopefully we keep him. I can't believe I'm saying that, right? Compared to what we'd seen before. I was saying today was definitely a dash in confidence. Mad Martin responds, to be fair, most of us did not expect the team would be 10-3. Yep, I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, Mad Martin again says, yeah, there it was. No, let's be honest. The D has key position holes. It's a question of managing expectations. They've met mine. Anything more is a bonus, and to go deep in the playoffs will require a shed, of, a shed full of luck. I was saying, I think so, too. The likelihood the likelihood has really fallen off the face of the earth with what we're seeing, yeah, when it comes to them the making a playoff run. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand wraps up this section, says, can we draft a confident defensive coordinator next year, please, with a melting uh, emoji? That's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it's true, though. It's insanely frustrating. Let's get to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. The in-game thread, I'll try to keep this brief, because I'd probably like to... Keep moving. Maybe I babble too much in some of this. Uh, There's Justin Jefferson with the franchise record. Jerry Hicks replied with, should have had that touchdown too. Yeah, yeah. and he wasn't out of bounds. That's true. KJ Clutch, I was saying. I was saying, dude, they are getting getting everything they want. That's Detroit. It's driving me absolutely bananas. Brad McCarthy responded with, it's sickening. Brad McCarthy said, well, this game is over. And I said, I think so too. Let's make this quick here. Games like this can screw up your entire season. You go from great to mediocre just like that. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. That was that goal line play at the end of the half. Gerald Spring was saying, have a feeling this one could be a barn burner, and it kind of was. Pat McCarthy agreed with him. Um, Mark Carlson says he was responding to Gerald Spring. Me too. Some Fox Sports announcers were picking the Lions to win. Yeah, and I guess they were right, huh? Just like most of the uh, the betting world out there. I guess it was 90%. I can't even believe that. Mike Dale says, Gerald String, the way it's been going? Since the Vikes win all the barn burners and lose all the games that aren't close, I'd gladly choose the previous. This team is going to put me on blood pressure meds. Dave Hickey responded to Gerald Spring, saying, agreed, lots of close games with the Lions the last couple of years. Mike Dale of New York area says come on down to the home stretch third quarter time to wake up uh, wake the offense up the offense was good but the defense didn't do schmuck Jerry Hicks out of St. Louis says Ed needs to go how about a blitz at least once a game it was ridiculous wasn't it Ben McCarthy was saying should have had the extra point yeah stupid Dave Hickey says there it is KOC doesn't trust Greg Joseph to make a PAT does anyone know if they have been trying out kickers we need a turnover big time. Brett McCarthy said, hold to halftime regroup second half, and of course we didn't. Brett McCarthy said, boy, if we pull this out, I hate this type of game. Mike Dale says, why is Dan Campbell's nose as red as the as a challenge flag? Is that just a bad cold? A previous week in Florida, sun something? Or a nefarious? Ha ha, yep, you never know. But Jerry Hicks was saying, go for two. WTF, am I missing? I was telling Jerry, I don't get it at all. Some of these new-gen coaches come up with cute ideas that mean pretty much nothing but the opportunity to look stupid. Unfortunately, nobody responded to that. I thought somebody would have said something, but oh well. I guess they don't have to. Right? (laughs) Rebecca McCarthy said Hawk is high up. He was mad at Hawkins' drop. Mike uh, Mike Dale was saying there's blown coverage assignment. Three and out for the Lions to start off. That's what I like to see. Brad McCarr, they thought we were in trouble. Dave Hickey said, we need to get in the end zone before the half. Yeah, and unfortunately we didn't because stupid, stupid bullcrap. Get it to Hawkinson, so he scores for both division rivals against each other. That would have been cool. And Mike Deal was excited about uh, Delvin, one-on-one as a defender in the open field. Yep, you go for your jockstrap, and you got faked out of it. Touchdown. Yep, that's when Calvin Cook did get in the end zone. Post-game thread. Damn it, I went to the wrong place. Post-game thread, please. Okay, they are there. Um, and I loaded up the Vikings defense. Five straight games, allowing 400-plus yards. Longest single-season streak in franchise history. Interesting. David Gunther responded with, Fire him, let Pit, uh, let, let uh, Mike Pettin call the plays. Yep, I can understand that. Dave Gunther continues saying, He's too old school like Zimmer was. I, I understand and I agree. He's pretty much the same, isn't he? He's from Knoxville, Illinois. Dave Gunther from Knoxville, Illinois. Very cool. Dave Hickey again out of Iowa said, Joey's posting the post game early. That's not a good sign. Tough game overall, but Delvin's fumble and missing. Harry, Yep, yeah, Harry and uh, Harry Christian and Bradbury. Just too much to overcome. We need to fire Donatel and get some competition for Joseph. And then a, it's over sign. Dave Gunther coming back again says, I agree. I don't know how people think that allowing that allowing that many yards in a row is acceptable. It is pretty pathetic, isn't it? <coughs> Patrick Grant back in the house says this isn't the same pushover Lions team. The Vikings were all played. Very true. Tony Coleman says ten and three still isn't anything to be ashamed of. I feel you there. Eric Mustard says our offense, our defense is offensive. Yep. Mike Dale, I'll come back to that. Uh, Mark Carlson says I'm disappointed, disf- dissatisfied, and disgusted. That's three D's. Yep. <laughs> Jason Michael says worst ten and three team I have ever seen. Yep. Jason Michael, yep, locally came from Maranatha Christian Academy. Matt Labelle also from Maranatha Christian Academy. So back to back Maranatha Christian Academy. <laughs> Jason Michael was class of 95. Matt LaBelle class of 96. Just in case you guys are listening, yep, I know your senior year, and mine was 98. Yep, they're a little bit older. Dave Vicky says, uh, yep, I, I remember everything. <laughs> no, Dave Vicki says, Detroit is the real deal. They play hard for their coach. Yeah, they really do, and have an explosive offense. And Hutchinson is a beast, yep, that defensive guy, yep, defensive lineman. Crew day for Justin Jefferson and Cousins. Another bad day for Donatale in the defense. So we we'll wrap things up with uh, Mike Dale out of the New York area with a beast of an article here. Let's read it. All right. I know it's a big ask to sweep your entire division, especially against the team that is the biggest threat to your division supremacy. Believe it or not, it was the Lions unequivocally, unequivocally, unequivocally are. <laughs> but the Vikings were never in this game. Right at the start of the second half since the Lions fake punt, the pundits and experts in Vegas had the Lions winning this game from the start which, universally, it seemed to be in the cards. Yeah, because, yeah, like I was saying, 90% of the betting odds going into Saturday night were uh, favoring the Lions. 90%. I was like, that can't be good. That can't be good. Man, I mean, that's that's money right there, you know. I wish I could be making money. I need to start doing that more. Just imagine the host of Purple Mafia picking against the Vikings today. That would have been ugly, but it is what it is on, on the DraftKings app, so, yep, highly recommend that, of course, as you know. Ah, let's see where we were. I will say, though, I felt the Vikings would at least be a little more competitive. All things considered, the Lions definitely are an up-and-coming team to be reckoned with and should not be taken lightly from this point forward. The Lions are a very good offensive team and are cobbling together an impressive vein of form, which should not go unnoticed. That said, we will be the NFC North champions, and this is uh, just another blip. However after also simultaneously (laughs) witnessing a uh, rampant Eagles offense running rub shot over the Giants, it's clear to me that Philadelphia's football team is the elite and overwhelming toast of the entire NFC part of me. The question is quite simply, the Eagles have a dynamic offense and a suffocating defense that dovetails into a complete balanced football team. Whereas, well, we have a dynamic offense. We are very poor and compromised defensive unit in the Donatel system we are playing in overly conservative prevent set on at least second and third downs giving up ludicrous amounts of yardage field position and ultimately points the fact of the matter because of an inexperienced untested in some areas as well as an aging sluggish secondary especially in pass coverage Coupled with almost a non-existent pass rush, Zatarri is definitely injured, and Daniel Hunter, where are you? It's obvious that we're playing scared. Donatel is so scared of giving up big plays, which happened twice today anyway, that this defense is almost barely serviceable. <clears throat> now, I know what you're going to say. Mike, we're still going to win the division when we're still 10-3, and three, calm the up down. However, after seeing the Eagles and what they're made of, Knowing it's a Super Bowl or uh, Super Bowl winner bust combined with the fact I'm a middle-aged, glass-half-empty curmudgeon of a Vikings fan. Me too, by the way. I'm with you 1,000%. <laughs> you should see my tweets. Uh, the, 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 the The doubt has crept in that this year's team doesn't quite have what it takes to go the distance. Maybe I'm too doom and uh, maybe too gloom and doom or doom and gloom, and I just need to snap out of it. But that's my gut feeling. Me too. That said, this team and, and regime under KOC is still punching well above their weight this season, and there's still there's still much to be excited about in the future of this season and beyond. Fran Award, in my opinion, goes to Justin Jefferson. Always seems to be the bright spot, as <laughs> as despite the outcome, the cream usually rises to the top. Cousins had a good day, but then again, as like in the past, he was putting up numbers during garbage time while they were almost perpetually down by two scores. He's always done that, but we would rather have taken the W over him putting up stellar fantasy numbers. No, the Christian Ponder. It could go to the entire defensive line, which was, which were completely anemic, a wall. Yep, <laughs> and non-existent in their pass rush. The defensive secondary weren't much better. Anyway, your pick. However the Vikings can shake this off and put together a better performance against the Colts and finally claim the division as they rightfully should. Kings of the North and looking to gain momentum and maybe a first round bye to get the players healthy, i.e. and Zedaria Smith for the playoffs. Just hope this defense can get its act together in time. Well, there it is. So let's pass out the stars for this episode. For the lack of uh, for the sake of time, Mike Dale is welcoming back to the Gold Star Award. <laughs> yes, sir. That was intense and amazing. Um, silver stars today, man. I could pass them out, boy. But uh, um, Jerry Hicks deserves a silver star. Some really nice takes. Really like what he what he's having to say. And of course, uh, Mad Barn is absolutely great. Uh, I miss Brent Jacobson, if you're still out there. I think he still listens, but he doesn't He doesn't post, and he doesn't call in any, anymore, so that's kind of a bummer. David Gunther should at least get a bronze. Welcome, welcome, uh, welcome, Dave Gunther. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen you before. Yeah, Knoxville, Illinois, of course. Yes, yeah, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, still, at least deserves a bronze star. And uh, Dave Hickey, Dave and Dave, bring in the bronze. So thank you guys so very much for interacting with the show and making the show better all the time. Please write a positive rating on Apple Podcasts and other apps out there if you could. Those of you that do reviews, please, thank you very much. Please and thank you basically for that. Uh, audio submission, we'd go ahead and call in sometime. Just basically send in your audio submissions from your smart device. Very easy to do with uh, opening up the uh, voice recording app on every smart device on the planet. You just record it and send it to me. Uh, anytime you like and I'll convert it into an mp3 file thanks to Zumzar.com well, time to go out and look at Christmas lights some more hope you guys enjoy it, I certainly do otherwise, I better get the heck out of here and uh, hoping for something better next week versus the Giants until then, take care and God bless